You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Well, in the remainder of our time together, we want to examine the fourth commandment or the fourth word from the mountain that Moses received from God. And I apologize in advance for any cheesiness on my part, but I have to admit that I enjoyed seeing this photo uh, on social media this week. And if you can't read it, it says, technically, Moses was the first person with a tablet downloading data from the cloud. So I just, I thought in this series, it just seemed appropriate to share that. So I know I got a few eye rolls there, but uh, bear with me. Well, during the past three weeks, we've examined the first three commands. And I really like how uh, pastor and author Rubel Shelley in his book, entitled Written in Stone, described the first four commands. This is what he wrote. The first three commands have called us to honor God by, one, putting Him first in our devotion. Know God other than the true one. Two, sanctifying Him in our hearts, worshiping worshiping Him faithfully. And three, honoring Him with our lips, respecting His holy name. The fourth commandment calls for us to glorify God by our use of priceless time. The author goes on to say, whatever years we have on planet earth are God's gift to us and are to be used for his purposes. Let's listen to how God originally described this this fourth commandment to Moses and the people from the mountain. In Exodus 20, verse 8, and it's in your bulletin message insert if you want to follow along or just read it on the screen. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in, the, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, there are a number of observations to make on this fourth commandment or this fourth word from God. The first is that this is one of only two of the Ten Commandments that are are written or worded in a positive light rather than the negative, thou shalt not. Okay, there's there's no negativity here. It's it's all positive that, that this fourth word is a positive reminder from God for our lives. Here the people are told, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. The word Sabbath, which the Jewish people pronounce as Shabbat, was viewed as a lasting gift from God for His people. 
The word derives from a Hebrew word that means to stop, cease, rest. It's fascinating that no other ancient culture in the Near East practiced a day of rest. So it was truly unique to the Israelites. We're also told that the Sabbath is holy. It is a day and a time to set apart as separate from the other days. I like how Wilfred Stott described the Sabbath in the New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology. This is what he wrote. The day then was looked on as a cessation from labor. You have to like the English spellings, the British spelling. A pause, a rest, but this with a view to its being dedicated to God, an opportunity for getting to know God and for worshiping Him. We also observe from this Bible text that work is not a four-letter word. Now, I know it is technically, okay? But but we shouldn't view work as a four-letter word. It is also a gift from God. We're not to view our work in life, even hard work as a curse. You know, sometimes we miss this point. You see, Adam and Eve were instructed to work in the garden before sin entered the world. So before there was a fallen world, work was part of God's design for us. You see, God is a gift. Uh, Excuse me, work is a gift from God, and we're not to view it as a curse. The curse was that it would become harder and that the fields would start to produce thorns and thistles that would make Adam's work harder. But you see, work can be a gift. And I hope whatever work you find your hands busy doing in life, that you enjoy your work and you view it as a gift. I know I I feel really blessed that I have this calling from God to work in full-time ministry, and I love it. I I enjoy it. In fact, to me, it's not a profession or a job. It's a calling. And because of that, I I truly love what I do. I'm not sure if I'm that good at it, but I love doing it. And so I have to take to heart the call to also make sure that I rest from my ordinary work because rest is also a gift from God. Thirdly, we're told in this explanation of Exodus 20 that the Sabbath practice didn't begin on the mountain when, when uh, uh, God gave these instructions to Moses and the people, but instead it originated in God's work in creation. Here we're told that God created the entire universe in six days, and on the seventh day He rested. So the Sabbath was not Sunday, as many modern-day Christians think, but the Sabbath was Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Now, of course, this raises some questions. And I just want to just kind of take a side here and make a few comments. How long were these days of creation? Now, I think it's pretty obvious that the original audience would have assumed that these days were 24-hour days that we have come to know. So if that's your take from reading passages like this, then, then, and if you hold to what some describe as the new earth position, then 
I want you to know that I don't have a problem with that because that's how the original audience would have understood it. In fact, I personally believe that God is powerful enough not just to create this universe in six days, but I believe that God is powerful enough to create the the universe in six hours or six minutes or six seconds for that matter if He chose to do so. On the other hand, if, if you hold an old earth position and that you believe that these days were longer than 24 hours, and maybe you think of verses in the Bible like a day to the Lord is a thousand years, then I don't really have a problem with that position either because honestly, as I look at the creation account, the moon and the sun were not even created until day four, and we use the sun and moon to mark our 24 hours. You see, I'm just trying to be intellectually honest as I read this text. And yet, what I believe is that the Bible is not written to be a science book, a law book, or even for that matter, a historical book. But instead, I believe the Bible was written to point us to God. It's to be a book to lead us to faith and to remind us that Almighty God is our Creator and maker. That's my takeaway from the book of Genesis. That's my takeaway from texts like this. You see, the true message of Genesis, the true message of Exodus and Deuteronomy and all the books of the Bible is that, that God, the God of Israel, the God that we know in Jesus Christ, He is the creator and maker of everything that we can see and know in this universe and even those things that which have not yet been discovered. That's the point of the Bible is that we look to God as our creator, as our maker, and that we honor him and that we worship him. With that said, let's go back and and read about the Sabbath description as it was first written in Genesis of the creation account. So you turn to in Genesis 2 and verse 1, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, first of all, I I love how this passage describes God's creativity. And I personally marvel at the vast array of God's creation. When you and I consider the cosmos, the stars, the constellations, the oceans and the depths of them that still have not yet been discovered, the mountains, and all the natural wonders we can find in this world, we have to just take a step back and say, wow, our God is awesome. Our God is a big God that He created all this beauty. He didn't have to create this world in such a beautiful way, but He chose to. And I'm so grateful for that. And if this holiday week with the 4th of July falling on Wednesday, if you're outside a little bit more this week than normal, I want to encourage you two things. One, try to stay in the shade as much as you can, okay? Okay because it's going to be hot. 
But the other thing is you're outdoors maybe more than normal. I want to encourage you. Take some time just to slow down and just reflect on the beauty of God's creation all around us. And take to heart what I really believe is the meaning of Genesis, what I believe is the meaning of Scripture, is that God, God Almighty, is the one who created all this, and He is worthy of our worship. A second observation, I don't know if you've ever considered this, what an amazing gift that the Sabbath day was for the Jewish people. We're told here in the creation account that the seventh day of God's creation week, which was the Sabbath day, I don't know if you've ever thought about it with human, Adam and Eve being created on the sixth day, their first full day was a day of rest. Now, we typically don't think about it that way. We as humans tend to think, well, we work hard during the week and then we deserve that day of rest, right? I want you to flip the table here because God did it differently than that for Adam and Eve. He let them begin with rest. To realize that rest wasn't something they deserved, it wasn't something they earned, it was a gift from their Creator. Maybe if we begin to view the Sabbath as a gift instead of something that we deserve, maybe we'd get a better insight into why God created this wonderful thing. Think about it. Now, interesting enough, when the Sabbath day is described in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses is preparing the Israelites, he's retelling in Deuteronomy the law and, and God's commands that were previously given. And as he's preparing them to go into the promised land, as their deliverer, Moses, this is what he has to say to them. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, he says, "'Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy.'" as the Lord your God has commanded you. Now, verses 13 and 14 are, are just like the verses we read earlier in Exodus. But if you skip down to verse 15, he says, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you rest to rest on the Sabbath day. Now, here it's interesting. There's some differences between the Exodus telling of the Sabbath, uh, there that what Moses received from God on the mountain, to then what Moses would emphasize to the Israelites as they're going into the promised land. What are some of the differences? The first is the action verb at the very beginning. In Exodus, we're told to remember the Sabbath. What's the word used here? Observe the Sabbath. You see here, Moses, is, he's, he's calling the Israelites as they're ready to enter the promised land and displace a people that do not worship and did not worship the God, the God that they had come to trust. He says, remember to observe certain practices to remember who you belong to and why you're different than the other people around you. 
Secondly, although there's a lot of similarities from Exodus passage to the Deuteronomy passage, we're told here to observe the Sabbath not because of creation. That was the motivation from, in Exodus. But here the people were told to observe the Sabbath because, because God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. So it's very important for them on every Sabbath day to pause and remember that on the Sabbath that they were not only a created people, but they were a delivered people and that they'd been delivered by God from slavery. I like what commentator Gary Hall had to write uh, on this noticeable difference. He says, these are not contradictory reasons, but complementary and suggest that Sabbath reflected multiple purposes. It was a day to contemplate both divine creation and divine redemption. You see, the Sabbath day was a gift from God to help His people remind, be reminded of His creation and His redemption. Now, you might say, well, how can one observation serve two purposes? Well, we understand that in, in the life of the church. There's certain practices, there's certain things that we observe as a church, two that we have set aside that we really focus on and observe as a church. One is baptism, okay? I've gone through Scripture and found 20 different reasons to be baptized. They're all valid reasons. Now, I don't believe that every time you learn a new reason to be baptized, you shouldn't be baptized again, okay? There was this guy that started the Christadelphian movement, and he was baptized 19 times because every time he learned something new, he was baptized again. We do not advocate such a position, okay? But what I'm saying is baptism is this rich practice, this act of faith that God invites us to, that he does wonderful things. The same is true with the Lord's Supper. We observe communion every week here at Southwest. Now, you think about communion. What are we called to do in communion? We're called to remember. We take the bread. We take the cup. We're reminded of Jesus, that he was real, that he was a physical, real person that lived in the flesh. He had, had a body, and he showed tremendous love for us by dying on the cross, shedding his blood. That's something we're to do during communion. But also in communion, we're told to examine our hearts and to ask ourselves, how are we responding to that love? There's two purposes of communion. Both are vital, just like there were two purposes of the Sabbath. Now, the sad thing, I mean, the Sabbath was this beautiful gift from God. And the sad thing, though, is you fast forward 1,200 years from the mountain where God delivered this command to Moses and the people, 12 or 1,400 years, depending on which scholars you believe are right on history timelines. When we get to the days of Jesus, the, the Jewish people had taken the Sabbath, and instead of viewing it as a gift from God, they intent, instead turned it into this... Uh, this religious right to either boast in that they were keeping or to measure others. In fact, they, they tended to turn it to uh, judge other people. You know, I, I think that we as human beings have a tendency to do that, don't we? 
we take that which is a gift from God, and then we ended up we end up using it to to somehow make ourselves look better. That's not the way God wants us to view His gifts. So when Jesus arrives on the scene, what were, what were the people constantly getting upset with him about? That he wasn't observing the Sabbath as they thought he should. In fact, on one occasion, his followers were hungry, and so he, he gave them some food out of the temple area, okay? And they were, they were like, oh, you shouldn't do that, okay? Or, or gave him food just out of the field, I should say. He, and then he quotes how David did that out of the temple. And then he would also heal people on the Sabbath, and, and they'd get upset about that. And this is what Jesus had to say about that in Mark chapter 2, and we're going to skip around a little bit because there's two different references there. But in Mark 2, verse 27, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. In chapter 3, then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. So we see that the Sabbath, which was given as a gift, and Jesus, when he's God in the flesh, he, he says, hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, this isn't a day to rest from doing good, but it's a day to rest from your normal work. For example, in my life, I, I work on the day that many consider to be the Sabbath day in their life. And you might say, well, how do you, how do you square that, Roger? Well, the, the Jewish priests had to work on the Sabbath, okay? And so, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with working on what the day that some people might consider to be their Sabbath day. But because I believe in this principle of having a day of rest, I choose for my week, my day of Sabbath is Monday, okay? And, and so I try really, really hard to not do ministry work on Monday. That doesn't mean I don't do some yard work, although my wife would like for me to do a little more. It doesn't mean that I won't do other things, but I try to take a break from my normal work week on Monday. So if you call me, if you text me, if you, if you email me on Monday and I don't respond for a while, well, just understand because I try to take a break from those normal things. But I struggle with that, and sometimes people catch me even working on Monday, okay? I, I struggle. But, but I try to honor this principle, Now, with that said, now let's look at an interesting twist on how this plays out in the early church. In Acts 20, verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week, we, and this is Luke writing about he, Paul, and the companions they had on their missionary journeys. He says, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and he kept talking until midnight. Now, here in Acts 20, we learn a number of things. We learn that the early Christians gathered, worshiped, shared communion, and were taught by early Christian leaders on Sunday, the first day of the week. There seems to be a transition. And by the way, I just want to make a comment here. For those of you who think, okay, man, sometimes Roger's sermons just go a little bit long. Just be grateful the Apostle Paul's not here, okay? 
Because I let you out before midnight. Okay? So my point is long sermons are biblical. Okay? That's my takeaway from this passage. But anyways, it appears that the early church have shifted their day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons. Many of the people in the early church were not Jewish by heritage. They, they weren't taught this principle of the Sabbath that was for the Jewish people. And they also wanted to worship the Lord. They wanted to worship Jesus Christ who was resurrected on the first day of the week, on a Sunday. And so they began to meet and worship on Sunday to celebrate, not just on Easter, but every week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting that they didn't necessarily take a day of rest on that Sunday because in the Roman world, uh, people worked on Sundays. And so the early Christians would have to gather early in the morning and worship, and then they might go for a full day of work at their job. It wasn't until about 400 years later when Constantine uh, claimed to become a Christian that, that Sunday became a day of rest for people in the Roman world, but not so at the beginning. Now, this leaves us with a question. It leaves me with a question. I'm not sure if I got the answer yet, but I'm just going to pose it to you. Is there a new Christian Sabbath on Sunday? Now, to hopefully answer that question, let's notice what the Apostle Paul had to say on this subject. In, in Colossians 2, it's in your message notes. And by the way, if the context of this in verse 12, Paul gives what I think is the most concise description of baptism found in Scripture. In Colossians 2, verse 12, it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. It's a beautiful description of baptism, being united in the death, the burial, and resurrection. And for those of you who were here last week during the second hour, you got to see Jake Fryman be baptized into Christ. And it was wonderful to see a young man who started attending here about three years ago who didn't have a church background, had come to faith and, and come to that point to say, hey, I want to be baptized. I want to be united with Christ in every way. And it was wonderful to hear him make his confession and be baptized into Christ. Now, following this amazing promise of new life and God's power being seen in our lives, this is what Paul goes on to write in verse 13. God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. And then he closes this section. He says, therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbath. Now, here's what I really believe from this teaching. I don't believe that it's right to bind Sabbath practices upon those who don't have a Jewish background. As the Apostle Paul didn't bind it necessarily, making it a Christian practice to adhere. Just as they didn't bind the Jewish practice of circumcision for people that were non-Jewish who became Christians. Now, if you disagree with me, well, then take to heart what the Apostle Paul said. Don't condemn me, okay? But I do believe, with all that said, 
I believe there's some important principles for us to take to heart from this incredible gift of the Sabbath that God gave the Jewish people. Taking my cues from the book uh, by Rubel Shelley that's subtitled Ethics of the Heart, I highly recommend the importance of setting aside a day of rest, a day to take a break from your normal work week, a day to reflect, a day to remember, and a day to worship the one that created us and redeemed us. I like what Rubel Shelley had to say in his book when he wrote these words. We disgrace ourselves ourselves and dishonor God when we live in such a frenzy that we alienate people, break health and sanity, or neglect our spiritual lives. He goes on to write, work, rest, worship. These constitute the elements of balance that all believers need to incorporate into their lives. Each has its critical place in imitating, enjoying, and praising God. No one may neglect any one of them without harming the purpose God has for his or her total life. Now, I want to ask you as we wrap up our time to be honest. Are you, am I, keeping that important balance in life of work, rest, and worship? Honestly, this is a balance that I struggle with. You see, I like to work. I like to work hard. But I need to remember, as my wife would probably amen during the second hour, the importance of rest so that I can experience the balance that the Lord wants to bring into my life. How about you? Have you been so busy during the week, week after week, working and even letting it crowd over into your weekend so that you never really take a day of rest? And for those of you who are good at shutting things down electronically, not checking your emails on the weekend and not not returning calls and not returning texts that have to do with work on the weekend, have you just replaced your normal work week with such a busy schedule chasing kids all over soccer fields, baseball fields, lacrosse fields all over the, the state of Ohio? Or maybe you're so active in your hobbies and other activities that you've forgotten the importance of taking time to rest. Have you forgotten the importance to remember to observe this Sabbath principle in your life? To have that time that you set aside to rest. That you have that time set aside that you're going to focus on worshiping your Creator and giving him the honor that he deserves in your life. If we had time, we would look at the eternal perspective of how that we're promised a Sabbath rest in heaven. And I think that's a great promise for those who've, who've had to deal with, with chronic ongoing pain in their life or just 
maybe you've got a mind that you just can't ever shut it down. You know, it's good to know that heaven is going to be a place of rest. That's the hope those of us who follow Jesus hold on to and that we want to share with others. The ultimate rest, though, that comes in knowing our Savior, knowing the rest that He brings to our souls. And this is how Jesus described it in Matthew 11, one of my favorite passages. When Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you found the rest, the peace, and the hope that only Jesus can bring? During our times of communion, it's a time for us to find rest. It's a time for us to slow our mind down and just reflect on what a great God we have and what a great Savior we have in Jesus Christ. One who came from heaven to earth to provide redemption, forgiveness, for us. I love communion. And maybe one of the reasons why I love communion is because even from the time I was a little boy, I've struggled with feeling guilty about things. At times, feeling guilty for things I shouldn't feel guilty about. Maybe some of you can relate to that. And you know, one of the things that I loved about coming to know Jesus and putting my faith in Him when I was 19 years of age, was that I found rest. I found forgiveness. I, I found that I could put my burden of guilt and shame down and let Jesus carry it. And I tell you what, that's good news. And that's why I love communion because, you know, as a Christian, I still mess up. I mess up far too often. But every week when I take communion, it's a time of rest. It's a time to lay that guilt, that burden down, that anxiety down and just say, I trust Jesus and he's big enough to take care of this. Let's allow this time of communion as we remember the one who came to be our redeemer. Let's allow this to be a time of rest for our hearts and for our souls. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for this beautiful gift of Sabbath that you gave your people. Help us embrace the principle of it and, and put it in our lives and observe it and protect it. Thank you for the rest that we can find in Jesus. And thank you that during this time of communion, we can lay our burdens down and find the rest that only he brings. It's in his name we pray. Amen.